Privileges bring responsibilities. We've noticed this in 1 Corinthians 10 verses 1 to 15, 1 to 14. And we've noticed that through the types of the Old Testament, he brings those to play and bear on the Corinthians and us today as we read what he wrote here. Last week we looked at verse 11 down to 14. There, privileges bring their responsibilities. The accountability requested of Christians is a little bit at the end there we didn't cover. Let's pray before we look into the word. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the word of God that guides us and directs us in these dark days. Praise the Lord, we have light around us and about us and in us and through us and set our light on a hill. May we do so more so in the days when people need to know, though they may not want to know. Lord, bless us with opportunities to testify. Thank you for those that testified of people asking questions and uh, for opportunities even in Israel there. I pray that there might be more opportunities given to all of us to share the good word of God. Bless now as we think through these and consider and ponder these thoughts in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> the accountability requested of Christians is verse 14. Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from adultery. Remember last week we looked at the word flee and through where the Lord tells us to flee from different things. Uh, flee from adultery, flee from fornication and others that we looked at last week. Over in the Gospel of Luke chapter 12, Luke chapter 12 and verse 47 and 48 and the portion about this parable, testing the servants here. Who is a faithful and a wise servant, a, a steward, who the Lord shall make ruler over his household in verse 42. Blessed is the servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Is that not an instruction to us today? <laughs> what should we be doing? Well, we should be in church, <laughs> you know, and fellowshipping with the saints and being faithful to that which the gates of hell shall not prevail against. Faithful in our Christian life. Faithful in sanctification. Many <clears throat> faithful in testifying. Will the Lord find us doing that? I pray that he does. And we read on. Of a truth I say unto you that he will make them ruler over all he, that he hath. And then going down to verse 47 in Luke 12. And that servant who knew his Lord's will and prepared not himself, neither did according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. You see, privileges bring responsibilities. And if those responsibilities are not taken up, this goes along with the morning service. If they're not taken up, then there is the punishment, beaten with many stripes. How many people have been talked to about the gospel? How many people have, has the Lord strove with? And I was thinking this afternoon, maybe I should have brought this morning in the, the thought of the unpardonable sin when we blaspheme against the Holy Spirit. When we say no to him, when he's knocking seriously. And that individual I was talking about this morning, he, he, he said from his own mouth, the last time that he was talked to, he said, I get to a point, I have no arguments, and he said something within is making me say, was telling me this is right, this is right. That's what he said. You can't blaspheme the Holy Spirit and being give, given, given the privilege of over and over again hearing the message. How many people have heard and not responded? And they'll be beaten with many stripes. 
But he that knew not and did commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes. God is very balanced in his approach to this, isn't he? If a person goes out into eternity and hadn't heard the gospel clearly given, succinctly given to them, they, they still will be in hell because they haven't responded to his, his call from even creation, Psalm 19. But they will be beaten with few stripes. For unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall be much required. And of whom men have committed much, of him will they ask the more. If the boss gives you a rise in pay and gives you privileges that other people in the organisation haven't got, then you have to live up to the responsibility and privilege that you have. With this voice thing that we voted on last week and the Jacinta Price tried to pass a bill this week and it was put down and, and not to look into things. And where is all the billions of dollars gone? Because it's not reaching the ground to the people that need it. Whose pockets have been lined? You know, to whom much is given, much should be expected. That is a thing in life. How much more with God in eternity? And so the accountability requested of Christians. Have you ever had someone say to you, I had a person, only one person in the 45 years have been here. They came and a few times and they said, I don't want to come anymore. I'm learning too much. <laughs> That's what they said. <sighs> so, so I don't want to be accountable and I want to go and do my sin in, in ignorance. And I, uh, No, you're too late, mate. <laughs> You've already heard enough to cause you to get into trouble <laughs> and big trouble that's beaten with many stripes. God is a balanced God, isn't he? And much will be required. You expect a return for the input you put in. You don't expect nothing. Um, <clears throat> the next v reference, so they're the servant's judgment we see. Accountability, accountability requested and the servant's judgment. And if you're in a good church and you're hearing right doctrine and you're not doing what is being taught, you, you lose a reward. I believe Third John, it says there, the loss of reward because you didn't do what the Lord convicted you of doing when he asked you to do it. Uh, you know, we might get away with these things in life and putting them aside, but we won't get away with it when eternity comes at the judgment seat. Second Timothy, <clears throat> Second Timothy chapter 3. And you know these verses, we've, been, we've mentioned them many times lately because we're living these today. The last days and perilous times and the, the, the attitude of people, lovers of their own selves. I've got a, a sermon half ready for that. I don't know where I'm going to fit it in because it's not an attribute of God, is it? <laughs> Doesn't say, I love myself. <laughs> but you know what humans do? We all do. We love ourselves. And there's so many scriptures that talk about that. And that's the last days. That's right at the top of the list. Covetous, boasters, proud. And, and so it goes, having a form of godliness, verse 5, but denying the power of it from such turn away. Don't go there. Ever learning, in verse 7, and never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. 
And you go down to verse 9. But they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifested unto all men as theirs also was. This generation that has apostatized, gone liberal and apostatized, gone further, are in for a rude shock when they are brought to judgment. And in the near future, when this world goes into the tribulation, because they will go there too if they are, if they are apostate people. Um, <clears throat> this, this, this is a scrutinizing saint. The saint judges these things, looks into these things. In chapter 4, verse 3 and 4, it says, For the time will come when they shall not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. Let's scrutinize what we hear, because there's so much, as I mentioned, was it Wednesday night? On the internet, so many people crying out for your ears, listen to us and give to us. Scrutinize, be wise, understand the scriptures. And um, <clears throat> if they're, a, uh, they're a, around in the apostles' day, they're around multiple now in our day. Hebrews. So we've seen the servant's judgment. We've seen the scrutinizing saint. And now we see the sobering warning that's given in Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26 and following. For if we sin willfully, we've got the knowledge of the Old Testament saints. We've seen what God did to them. This is what Paul is talking about in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Let us learn from these examples but if we sin willfully after we have got that knowledge of the truth, after we've heard the word of God, there remains no more sacrifice for sin, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. You know, under Moses they, they died under two or three witnesses. How much sore punishment shall you... He be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant with which he was sanctified an unholy thing and done despite to the Spirit of grace. Ye know him that he saith, Vengeance belongeth unto me. I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. If you are studied, a studied student of the word and you know the truth, the truth should set us free and set us on the path of sanctification and righteousness and serving the Lord. And if we don't do that, then these things of judgment. Now I know it may be talking about the unsaved here, you know, that they've trodden on the blood of Christ. And as it says in verse 31, it's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God. Is a sober warning here, isn't there? Don't mess with God and his instruction and his word when we sin willfully we know we're doing wrong but we have pleasure and do it we're guilty and remember what god has said about this in verse 35 at the end of that chapter cast not therefore away your confidence which has great recompense of reward <laughs> keep the faith contend for the faith jude said it's got a great recompense of reward. Be assured that. God has said that. Believe it. 
Cast not away your confidence. Great recompense. For we, ye have heard, or ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. That's the saints of the ages, isn't it? You read through Hebrews 11, the next chapter, and the saints that did the right thing, and they suffered. But patiently they endured the troubles and the tribulations and the trials and the testings. After they'd done the will of God, they have received the promise. And in a future judgment day, they will receive blessed promises, greater things and rewards for being faithful to the Lord. Don't quit. Keep going. I'm sure Noah said this too. <laughs> Keep coming. Get on the ark. Come aboard. All aboard, you know. <laughs> Only the family came aboard. A little while and he that shall come will come. And when he comes, he won't tarry. He won't mess around. When the father says, go my son and get your bride it'll be instant from there to here and we're gone um, <clears throat> he won't tarry now the, the just shall live by faith as we live our christian life live it by faith there's accountability for us who know the truth you see if if you go to a church where they don't preach the whole truth the whole counsel of god the judgment's going to fall on the guy up in the pulpit for not telling them the, the so said pastor but it also falls on the people too because they have a responsibility we all, all have a responsibility as individual believers to search these things out whether it's true or not and um, if need be confront the fellow up the front as, as the example in New Testament is given and it says the just shall live by faith if any man draw back Here's a sober warning from the scriptures. My soul shall have no pleasure in him. We are not of them that draw back. You're not. If you were, you wouldn't be here. <laughs> you are here, and so you haven't drawn back unto perdition, but them that believe to the saving of the soul. So there's the conclusion to the privileges of being, bring responsibility to the types there that are given. In 1 Corinthians, wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. And then we go to the next point. Pondering brings accountability. The more you meditate on this and the more the Lord brings it to your mind. Do you, do you wake up at night and start thinking about things? You're driving along the road and got a long trip and start thinking about spiritual matters? God wants us to do that. It makes the trip go faster <laughs> and you enjoy the presence of the Spirit communing with you and he, you with him. Ponder, meditate upon these, mull over, chew the cud, as the, as the cow does. To bring the benefit of that which you have taken in. And, and the scriptures are so full of truth and things that you read in your devotions or perchance you're reading and looking up a subject. They're so full of things that you can think about. The frustration of an older pastor, I think, is you read, you've got a sermon ready and you start looking and, oh, there's this and there's that and there's the other. Isn't that true? And there's all these, not rabbit trails, <laughs> there's these thoughts and meditations and ponderings. Well, here he says in verse 15 to 22, ponder these things. The cup of the blessing which we bless, verse 16, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? 
For we being many are one bread and one body. What, what do you think? Is you pondered it already? What's this talking about? What, what, what occasion is this talking about that we, we do here at church? The Lord's table. It's just over in the next chapter. And <clears throat> for we being many in verse 17 are one bread and one body and for we are all partakers of that one bread. Just like in verse 18, behold Israel after the flesh. Are not they who eat of the sacrifices partaker of the altar? They did it that way. We do it this way. They were partakers of the presence of the Lord and the fellowship of the saints. And the, the fellowship with the Lord. What then say I that the idol is anything or he or, or that which is offered in sacrifice to idols is anything? But I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. And I would not that ye should have fellowship with devils. Ye cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. Ye cannot be partaker of the Lord's table and the table of devils. Do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than him? There's some important things to, to ponder here, to consider. And, and so Paul is taking us back. He, he's talked about the example of the children of Israel in the wilderness. Now he's taking us to their sacrifices and paralleling that with what we do. He's appealed to their wisdom. Well, he appeals to their wisdom in verse 15. I speak to wise men. <laughs> Some of these Corinthians were great pretenders to wisdom. And, and Paul, well, just back in chapter 4, had a bit of, di a, bit of a dig at him in verse 10, like tongue-in-cheek. He said, verse 10 of chapter 4, he said, We are fools, talking about you know, himself, for Christ's sake, but ye are wise in Christ. <laughs> we are weak. But ye are strong. Now you think of it. What were the Corinthians really like? <laughs> they were a bit of a basket case in a lot of things, weren't they? What they were allowing and what they were doing. And Paul is saying, yeah, wise, you know. <laughs> He's having a dig at them <laughs> in the way he put this to them. Ye are honourable. We're, we're weak and despised. And then he goes on to talk about things that have happened to him. He, but the Lord was using him far greater than he was using them. And so <clears throat> he's appealing to their wisdom over in chapter 10. I speak to wise men, you wise fellows at Corinthians, you wise people and Christians. Paul left it with the Corinthians to judge whether what he taught was conformable to their own light and sense of spiritual things. He said, I leave it with you. Sometimes you need to tell a Christian it's in your lap. You are responsible. I passed on the message. Paul said, I've done it. You're the ones that have to make the decision. I leave it with your own reason and conscience, whether I argue justly or not. Talking about the wilderness wanderings and talking about the fellowship with demons and devils here in this little section. Um, <clears throat> you cannot make the connection from the type in the Old Testament to the situation in Corinth church. Cannot you see the argument about the Lord's table and the 
idol feast which seemed some of them had partaken in and had been attending and they were boasting of their liberty in Christ to do so, you know. See, see he's really going to put it, the pressure on them here. So he's appealed to their wisdom, his arguments from their worship in verse 16 that we've read in 17. So what is the Lord's Supper an instrument of? It's an instrument of having us to be in communion with the Lord and communion or friendship and fellowship with God and with one another. That should bring us closer to the Lord and direct our thoughts toward him as we partake in the Lord's table. Um, <clears throat> to process, profess ourselves to be his guest, guest of the new covenant of which we've been made partakers through the blood of Christ. Uh, <clears throat> Do you, know something, do you notice something different as you look at the order here? For we being many are one bread and one body. Let's um, go back to verse 16. The cup of the blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? Do you see something about the order there that's different to what you have over in the next chapter, verse 24 and 25? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's switched, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's, been, it's been switched here. Something different. The order is reversed from those, the verses over in the next chapter. The cup is put first here because it is the blood of Christ which secures our spiritual blessings and fellowship and communion. And also because Paul intends to dwell further on the bread, the significance of the bread. And Paul points out that when we drink the cup, there is a spiritual sharing, an intimacy, a getting to know the Lord, a fellowship communion in the blood of Christ. That is, we break the bread, there is spiritual sharing. We, we drink the cup, there's a spiritual sharing. One in the blood of Christ and one in the body of Christ. The symbol, symbolic partaking is holding communion with God and partaking of the privileges and professing ourselves under those obligations which result from the death of Christ and his sacrifice. Um, <clears throat> in verse 17, what does a church become who partakes of the Lord's table in truth and unity of spirit? Where he says, for we, we being many are one bread and one body, we are all partakers of that one bread. What, what comes, what should come at the Lord's table when we fellowship around, around that table at that time? There should be a oneness, a unity. We're all humble before the Lord and thank you for dying for me. Thank you for shedding your blood for me. And <clears throat> so you, you see that there's a, there's a oneness there. He used, Paul used the Lord's Supper as an illustration. When one partakes of the cup and the bread of the table, he is in a spiritual way having fellowship with the body and blood of Christ and with one another, with the Lord and with one another, uniting in one. Communion with the risen Lord. We see, thirdly, his argument from Israel's Ways and worship. Verse 18, as I mentioned on the way reading it, Behold, Israel after the flesh 
are not they who eat of the sacrifices, partakers of the altar. So Paul pointed to the temple altar and the sacrifices as another illustration of the truth he is about to expand here on. They surely worshipped God and were sanctified by these offerings there in the Old Testament that covered their sins, as it says in the book of Hebrews. These were also a symbol or token of holding communion with him in the Old Testament. In fact, in the, in the coming kingdom, if people don't go up to Jerusalem and nations and representatives don't go there, the Lord is very displeased because they don't want to commune and fellowship with him. And he sends droughts on the nations that don't do that. He, he is one that is worthy of worship, the only one worthy of worship and worthy of that communion. Do we have a communion, a fellowship, an in-touchment with the Lord Jesus Christ? And so he, he gives that from the Old Testament there. And then verse 19 and 21, the application of his warnings are given here. So what argument of the Corinthians' strong Christians did Paul agree with in verse 19? What say I then, that the idol is anything, or that which is offered in sacrifice of idols is anything? Yeah, I agree with you, Corinthians. You, <clears throat> you're right. The idol is nothing. It's, it, a Buddha is as dead as the wood it's made from. There's nothing in it. And if people are sacrificing food to it, so what? Go eat. <laughs> you know? And he's talking to the strong Christians here. But Paul proves that the eating of it as a part of a heathen sacrifice and, and going to these things is wrong. <laughs> it's partaking with them in idolatry. Like we mentioned this morning, the Buddha that was there in that music festival and what other, other things we don't know, but that was seen on a picture. A virtual renouncing of Christianity is it is to go to these feasts that these these heathen had. Paul's point here is that but but taking in a religious feast means fellowshipping with them. You know, he's talking about fellowshipping with the Lord, communing with the Lord, communing with one another. Now he's saying, if you go to these places, that's sort of that's what you're doing. You're communing and fellowshipping with them. It's true of the Lord's Supper, verse 16 and 17. It was true in Old Testament times, verse 18. And it's true of pagan feasts, 19 to 22. Therefore, believers must not fellowship at pagan feasts. We don't have that problem today, do we? Or do we? <laughs> Just hang on there a minute and uh, we'll go on. Um, <clears throat> we don't go there at these pagan feasts since they may thereby open themselves up who do go to them to demonic possession demonic influence now I'm not saying a Christian can go there and get demon possessed but he could be oppressed he could be obsessed he can be influenced this is New Testament If you, and uh, a long time ago I looked at all those things you know well you may say I would and have never been involved in such things as these things. I've never been to an idol feast. We probably all can say that. But hang on, as I say, have we? 
Do we worship at the world's feet sometimes? Do we worship the idols that they have? Let me name a few. Drugs. Now, this prescribed drugs to help you physically. I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about drugs. Who's talking about <clears throat> drugs? Was that this evening? And what's going on in Gaza and the drugs that they're using there? You was. <clears throat> Alcohol. Down to the drinking hole. We have in Australia a saying, we do the pub test. You know? <laughs> How does it go in the talk in the pub? Are we not fellowshipping with evil and devilish things when we go to places like that? The forms of this idolatry today and fellowshipping with demonic things and places where demons will definitely be are different. Let's go a little further. In past times, and they're worth a lot of money, our Mario games, you know, Mario, not Shivoni, or Mario Fafari, or, or those guys. <laughs> but, you know, the, the, the innocent games of pressing things and buttons and pills and whatever. But what and where has it progressed to today? They're not, they, they've got games that you now play that you shoot another person and the blood spatters out and they fall dead. Are we opening ourselves up to demonic influence and letting our children play them in our homes? A question. Are we not preparing them for or desensitizing them to murder and mayhem that's happening? I wonder if they play them over in Gaza. Just what they did there was demonic, unsafe people. They, I don't think they ever used the word demon, demonic, but they come close to it. They're trying to describe what went on. Let's go another one, because this is in a lot of churches. What about going to the feast of their music? Where is the music of the world now? It's not in the world, it's in the church. That stuff is opening you up to demonic influence. You say, no, Pastor, you've gone too far now. Well, even secular writing writers have said so. <laughs> that sort of stuff that came out with the Beatles and those guys back then that has just progressed, and everybody, as I said before, in the church said no even the world people's no it's wrong it's in the church and it's having a bad influence what do they do in the likes of Africa and pagan places when they get wound up to do something that's evil it's, it's evil spirits they do the drums and they do everything there and they dance and bounce around let's be careful that we're not invoking and inviting demon influence in our lives for our own destruction we have our feasts but they're different to the feasts that they had back then and we wonder why the power of God maybe has departed from us it's because we're partaking in things we should just so you know you used to have burn it it used to be we had a record burning 
Remember back then in the youth, way back 40 years ago, when this sort of music started coming out, then there was some solid and pointed preaching on it. Then you'd have a bonfire out the back of the church, burning them all. The records and the tapes, the records, you know, those big round things that people had. So, think about it. The mayhem and the trouble it's caused within families, within churches. I think it's evil. I know it's evil. Um, <clears throat> how many, you know, you, oh, well, I'll just do a little bit. But what we have people to do doing today is sanitising the Christian rock music that's wild and sanitising it and bringing it into the church and saying, now it's sanctified. They, they say they've sanitised it. But what it is doing is making people know the authors of these songs, get the music, get the, the words in their head, oh, the words are okay, the lyrics are okay. And then where do the young people go? Well, where, let's search, the, they can search it up in a minute now and find out, oh, here, oh, here's one of his real beat up ones and another one and another one and they, they go back into it and fall. It causes them not to have a mindset that's Christ-like. <clears throat> so the application of these warnings is given in those verses there. What? The idol's nothing. I'm a strong Christian. I can go there. I can do that. No. They are something. And this is what the Corinthians were boasting. We're wise people. We can make a decision about what we do and what we don't do. You'll get your foot in the trap. But I say in verse 20 that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice are sacrificed to what? Devils. Not to God. And I would not that ye should have what fellowship with devils. <laughs> so there's the, there's the application, isn't it, that Paul brings home. <clears throat> they sacrifice to demons and not to God. For a Christian to partake of one of these pagan feasts meant he was fellowshipping with demons. Um, does this verse say in verse 20 they were fellowshipping or partaking with with or of demons it's with not of he's not possessed but he has to do with them in the physical realm uh, <clears throat> there's many things we could say but we'll move on how many today are opening themselves up to the influence and obsession and obstruction and opposition of demons listen to some of the things that people are opening them up themselves up to these through sorcery no okay I think we should witchcraft magical arts I, I was working one day and the, the dozer broke down I need to phone home we didn't have mobiles so can I use your phone in the house yeah you can go in there I'm talking to the fella I went in there and it was a witch's home <laughs> it was just you, the things that are hanging around I knew straight away and it just felt evil I didn't want to use the phone but I, I did <laughs> just in the hallway but <clears throat> witchcraft magical arts drugs music charms divining and I don't mean, I don't mean for water either <laughs> someone there was a Christian 
could divine for water. No, divine. Use a stick, you know, thing. And uh, a preacher got up and knew that this, 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 this fella could do it. And he, he was pointing his like, no, so is John, I want to point to you off. <laughs> and he was saying, anyone that can divine is possessed of a demon. <laughs> and they said, okay, you can say that, but I can also stop coming to church. He did stop going to the church. Now that was divination, foretelling the future, horoscopes, astrology, spiritism, crystal ball thing, gazing, clairvoyance, seances. Uji, Uji boys, I've never seen one. I don't know what it looks like. <laughs> Fortune telling, occultism, reading your palm. Transcendental meditation, Eastern religions, New Age movement. Tongues, speaking in tongues. You know who you're messing with? Demons. You're messing with demons. Stop. Uh, very hard to convince someone that's had a hair-raising experience that that was not of God. They had a hair-raising experience, but it was of the devil. And they didn't realize they were fellowshipping with devils. And what does, the, what does he say in verse 21? What does Paul say? Well, the Lord say through Paul, ye cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. You can't go to communion and fellowship with the saints and then in the same day or the next day, go and fellowship with them. You cannot be partaker of the Lord's table and the table of devils. No, it's not on. Um, the, this was compounding contraries, someone wrote. It was inconsistent. Communion with demons and con communion with the Lord. Listen to some of the verses. I'll just read them. James 3, 11 and 12. Doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? No, that shouldn't be, you know, Christian and demonic activity or devilish things. Can a fig tree bear olive berries? No, neither can a vine figs. So can no fountain yield both salt, water and fresh. It's either one or the other. If it's questionable, what's the old saying? If in doubt, don't toss it out. Don't, don't go there. Colossians 1.13 who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. If you've been translated into the kingdom of his dear son, you have nothing to do with that old style of life and participating there. <clears throat> First Thessalonians 5, 5. Ye are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night, nor of darkness. We're children of light. Ephesians 5, 8. For you were once darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Don't have to do with that. Don't have fellowship. Don't go to their feasts. Don't go to their parties. That's a hard one sometimes when it comes to family, isn't it? You've got to make a decision to go or not to go. <laughs> Should I or shouldn't I? What are they going to get up to there? What are they going to talk about? How influenced am I going to be from being there? How influenced are my children going to be from being there? I remember being at a family thing. It was a funeral. It was after the funeral. And we went round to the house, the house, and they were, it was normal food and things like that. Okay, that, that's okay. But then they, uh, there's a few eskies out on the veranda and they opened them up. What was in the eskies? Grog galore. <laughs> and then they were going to party and that's time to leave. 
time to get out of here. Um, some of the family know what I'm talking about. <laughs> they were there. <clears throat> in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, May your whole spirit, your soul, and your body be preserved blameless under the coming of the Lord Jesus. 1 John 5.18 and 19, We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not, but he that is begotten of God keepeth himself. He keepeth him. He don't go there. And that wicked one toucheth him not. 1 Peter 1.5, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last. Keep by faith, do the right thing. First um, Corinthians 2.12 Now, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is of God. So we're no longer under the authority of Satan and his world system. We're, we're children of God now. <laughs> the admission, admonition in the last verse, 22... First uh, Corinthians 10 says, Do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? So he really hit the Corinthians hard. We're tough. We can survive. We can go to these things. It's not hurting us. <laughs> it was. And Paul said what he said about going to this. He said, <clears throat> If we do go, and you Corinthians persist in doing this, you're going to provoke the Lord to jealousy. Our God is a jealous God. He doesn't want us as Christians, his sons and daughters, going there. It's like having children. You don't want them to go to that. You don't want them to go to this. And, and, and their friends are saying, come on, come on, come along. And dad and mum have to say no. And so <laughs> they're in the bad books with the kids and dad and mum are not getting on. It's saying, are we stronger, <coughs> stronger than him? In that we can worship with heathens and not be affected? No, we're not. Are we stronger than him to withstand his power? The last part, are we stronger than him? Is it saying, oh, the Lord can go there and it'll be okay? No, no. It's saying, are we stronger than him in his response, in his jealousy to resist what he's going to do to us if we persist in this way? And that's what it's saying in that verse. <clears throat> do we provoke the Lord? Are we stronger than him? Do you think you can stop what God's going to bring into your life if you persist in doing these things? It's dangerous to play with sin. We don't walk on the edge and see how close we can get to the edge before falling off. We get away, away from the edge. Worldliness. What does it say in 1 John 2, 15 to 17? <laughs> Love, not the world, neither the things that are in the world. And we don't know. It's probably good we don't. We don't see the devils, the demons. There's one devil, many demons that are around in places of the world's haunts and even trying to influence us to do the wrong thing. We don't have a serpent talking to us like Eve, but we have one that's trying to invite us to these things. Hebrews <clears throat> chapter 3. And verses <coughs> 8 right down to the end of the chapter. Harden not your hearts as in the provocation, 1 Corinthians 10, first half, in the day of trial in the wilderness. When your fathers tempted me or, and proved me and saw my works, they provoked him for 40 years. Wherefore I was grieved with that generation and said they do always err in the heart. God will do something. 
Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any, in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the Lord. Exhort one another daily while it's called today, lest you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. That Hebrews 3, verses 8 to the end. Let's do what's right. Let's do what's pleasing to God. Let's be his true children. Let's commune with one another around the table, but not around the world's table. Don't put your feet under the devil's table. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. And uh, Lord, this, these warnings come to this church that had so many things wrong. And Lord, it can be a rebuke to us in, the, in this century, thousands of years removed, but still people are the same. There's the same invitation to corrupt fellowship, communion, and worship with the world's crowd and the devil's people and demons themselves. Lord, bless us by our separation unto you and our cleanliness, that we might be clean vessels meet for the master's use as we go in our way. We pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen.